Shut up and sit down. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah, Batman! Our bikes love us and we love them back As we ride through the city by the cars like black On the teeth of the town we just keep on singing We're unstoppable Oh, hell yeah! You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. One of the most important decisions you will make is to be in a good mood. For every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. So, crank it up and be happy, my friend. When things are good, when things are hard, we ride together, we don't drive cars, but together we make such beautiful music. Oh, hell yeah, brother, yee yee! Unstoppable mamas. A G-N-O. We're Unstoppable kids, yeah. Get your bike and go. Get your bike and go. Unstoppable papas. Pedal and flow. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You're doing it good, buddy. Great job. Hi, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Vondering. I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance Romance, your mustached man, here for you on Monday. Nice. Yeah, how was that? Not too bad. No, that was ridiculous. Okay. I do look ridiculous. I need to sound as ridiculous as I look. Yep. And we've got some cool guests with us today, uh, sitting across the table from me, uh, Sarah Gates. She is with the uh, Cycle Organ, and she's going to sit in the studio with us. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing great. Good. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. See that thing right in front of you? That's called a microphone. I will talk to If you closer. talk to it, people can hear what you're saying. It's okay. a glorious thing. You need to get on YouTube and see Sarah's lovely blue hair. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You need to see that. So... Sarah's pretty cool. Yeah. And then with us on the interwebs today, we've got Steve Schultz, the executive director of Cycle Organ. How are you doing today, Steve? Good. How's everybody there? Doing well. Doing well. I'm awesome. terrible. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, before we get into all things Cycle Organ, we'll run through all of our other minutiae that we normally get into on a daily or weekly basis with these podcasts. Um, you guys sitting across the table from me, you guys raced this past weekend because you're awesome, and I'm a poser. I'm not. So, Steve, I don't know. You probably went out and raced something, too. So I'll uh, I'll save myself for last. So, Lance, why don't, why don't we start with you? Okay, yes, I did race. I did the uh, Gorge Gravel Grinder, one of uh, Chad Sperry's events with Breakaway Promotions. It was a uh, fantastic event out in the Columbia River Gorge of um, Oregon. Uh, not far from the Dalles and Hood River. I think a lot of people know where Hood River is because it is a famous windsurfing spot across the whole world. And so the Dalles is not f- too far from there, and the Gorge Gravel Grinder was right outside of the Dalles. Um, there were three events, a 93-mile event, a 67-mile event, and a 52-mile yeah, event. 52. And um, I did the medium one because I'm I'm... You're medium. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do well with those longer ones. Uh, actually, Peter Stetna came, and so did Clara Hansinger and Rebecca Faringer and Stephen Mull. I remember where I recognized Stephen. I'm getting way ahead of myself, aren't I? Peter Stetna, former World Tour pro, he raced the long one and won by several minutes. Uh, good on you. So that was exciting to have a World Tour pro come wow. to our area to do this. Second place was Stephen Mull. 
Um, he won Rebecca's Private Idaho. Oh um, wow! Like three years ago. Okay, that's why I recognize his name. He beat. Going back to Ted Peter Stetner real quick. He was racing for Cannondale, I think, or he was racing on a World Tour. Pro he team. was on a World Tour pro and team. He quasi retired from that to take on gravel full time. So that's kind of his gig now. He just goes around the country racing it, gravel races. It's called a privateer. Right, he okay. has, he is not um like signed with the team. He like he set up his own ten or fifteen different sponsors sure. and he's going around doing races trying to get exposure for his sponsors and that's how he is surviving at the moment. He's a privateer. Good on you. So yep. sponsored by Canyon and um, Shimano and you know he's he's got some pretty big sponsors he's a big name so it was really cool to have him out at our little local event in doofer yes in doofer oregon (laughs) which which is a great place (laughs) it was it was great it's a town of what like 200 or something steve would know the answer to this question how many people live in doofer yeah it's pretty close to that probably 250 but the the, the key thing is what can doofer do for you Uh, yeah, so I did the medium one. Um, I raced in the Masters Men Division, and uh, it was a 67-mile race. Of course, um, I attacked at mile point two <laughs> Before the start line? <laughs> right right after the start, oh. that first oh, steep yeah. grade. Oh, yeah, I know. I blasted up that grade and blew the whole race apart right at the beginning. Nice. <laughs> uh, obviously, I didn't hold that um, <laughs> attack. <laughs> But I ended up fourth overall, which was um, which or fourth in the Masters division, which was great for me. Our teammate um, John Hatfield took second. Good job, John. And uh, a local guy that we've talked about before, Rob Tornai, who races for Pacific Office Automation. Rob's a great guy. He's a great guy. I really miss racing against him. Yeah. So he he won the Masters division. He also beat all the open guys as well. So did he really? He did. Wow. Yeah. So just by like twenty seconds, he beat Luke Demo, but. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, a lot of fun um, to do that race. It hurt a lot. It was this was a race that really wasn't very well suited for me. Um, so I was really happy to actually get fourth. At, there was like ninety five in our mm-hmm. masters division. That's a huge, big division, yeah. and to get fourth for me was uh, fantastic. So Rob Tornai, who won that, brought his road bike to the race, correct? He did. He rode his road bike with uh, thirty millimeter tires. The gravel was really quite buff smooth it was it was not a technical course at all which is why it didn't suit me i'm better when it gets harder um and it had it had three long sustained climbs in our route it had a seven mile climb a six mile climb and a 10 mile climb so none of which really (laughs) are good that's not what i'm good at (laughs) i'm good when it gets really ugly and nasty and muddy and ruddy and rocky then get out yeah Anyway, so I did great. Uh, our th- we had f- six teammates there that all did wonderful. Um, Chris Ratt and Andy Levine and Ian Gibson and Ed Dudlick yep. and uh, John Hatfield. And we just, it was good times. Well done, sir. Yes, thank you cool. very much. That's S- enough of me. I did some other stuff, but it'll come up in Jake's backpedal. Awesome. Sarah. I was at the Ra- same race. Race recap. I rode the Women's Masters on the 52-mile course, and agree with you, that hill was... I blasted apart our group at the top of that hill because I was <laughs> yeah. determined to be up that thing first and down it. Um, played cat and mouse all the way down the 8-mile the 
um, with the, there were three of us in the lead and we worked our way through and then we, we played cat and mouse the whole way. I ended up third on the podium. was very happy with that. Sarah, well fantastic. Played. I didn't even know you were there. And then I saw her like, it, this was actually collapsed at the finish line. Yes, I did see her collapse at the <laughs> with finish a beer. line. <laughs> it was actually it was an actual race experience yeah. because it was in this town of Dufer, which is tiny. At, at the park. At the park, they were able to have like a post race meal with which they gave you in like box lunch form. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then we just spread out on the softball field where we could all sit, you know, socially distance and had an actual music playing and people hanging out and drinking and Enjoy. It was. It was were you lovely. drinking again, Lance? I was drinking my Coke. <laughs> I did have a lovely. Coke. <laughs> that last downhill that was quite something. That ten mile, snaky downhill with yes. a headwind. It was. Uh, it was uh, interesting. I was cramping the whole way down that. Well, I yeah. <laughs> Same with you. So I, I I started cramping on the big long uphill, and I kind of got a second wind, got over the top, got down the hill, and then just blasted into time trial mode. And I came around that last corner to the finish line. And everything cramped. I literally came to a... I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) left leg, go! (laughs) The the small and medium race, it it ended on this this gravel... It was a six-mile gravel downhill, and then the last half mile was uphill. So to the finish, you had to like... And so there were... were, People were cramping all the place. Oh, it was just ridiculous. It hurt a lot. I held off a guy by 20 seconds for that fourth spot. Better than fifth, right? Yeah, better than fifth. <laughs> so there you go. That was my yesterday. Fun race. Steve, you want to backpedal for us? Yeah, sure. My uh, my two-wheeled race had a V-twin underneath it. Um, <laughs> nice. And uh, there was a combination of gravel, pavement, sunshine, and dust. And uh, <laughs> I finished strong one out of one. I came in first out of out of one. Oh, field, congratulations. And, uh, it was great. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, I always go into something I know I can win, right? So uh, I compete with myself, and uh, one day I win, and one day I lose, and then win. But no, it was great. Um, I, I'm over in Central Oregon, so I live outside of Bend, and uh, as you all know, there's there's gobs and gobs of riding. Uh, but this weekend, the steed of choice was a V-Strom. So cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, it does. And then just to round things out here, I'll go real quickly. I don't. I don't have any racing, but we did do kind of not a race, but it was race pace. We, we did our, our flogging ride on Thursday. We had two kind of race pace rides. Well, we did. We did a gravel ride that's going to be a standing gravel ride now on Tuesday, which was a lot of fun. It was great fun. Well attended, and there was some really hotly contested segments in there. <laughs> I may after I it. may have attacked the group a few times in the group <laughs> gravel ride when they weren't expecting. There you go. <laughs> and then the the flogging ride though that was a blast, like always, and. The group was still pretty big. I think we had like 25 probably About people 25 show. people. And we only ran with two groups this past week. So there was a, an A and a B group. And the A group decided that they were just going to break everybody. It was just no holds barred. It was just uh, the whole route we finished, our average speed was 23 and a half miles an hour. 28-mile route we did in 23 and a half miles per hour yeah. average. We were yes. going pretty hard. When I got home... Well, actually, you know what? I didn't ride to my house. I rode to the finish this time because I was having too much fun. When I wrapped it all up, pushed save on the old uh, Wahoo Rome, the normalized power came out to 354 watts for the ride. 
That's we were just on the gas insane. the entire time beating the crud out of each other. So I really love those rides, and that's a great place for everybody to go out there and train and get strong. So I uh, I I got dropped much later this week. I oh, was nice. yeah, <laughs> I was not able to hang on that first section, but uh, I I made it farther than the week before. So yeah, yeah it's been fun um, having more of the guys from Pacific Office Automation yeah. come out to race and ride with us. Uh, don't want to call it race, but it is kind of a race pacing is, kind of yeah. thing and race practice. A lot of teammates showing up and everybody's coming out there and having fun. So and then this past weekend, I did not do anything cool. So I'm just going to pass on that. Yeah. I, well, I did do one thing that was cool. I built a raised planter bed for my vegetable garden. <laughs> <laughs> is that why your back hurts today? A little bit. <laughs> Family points. There you go. And some fresh produce to make me leaner. Yeah. So, right. You need that. Cool. Let's get into uh, some um, Patreon updates here. Uh, we don't have any new Patreons to report, but per usual, and because that little grab bag is still full of all kinds of goodies, we're going to do a little Patreon drawing here. Um, if you're watching online, Lance is, is mixing it up really good. We've got everything folded up super small, and we're going to let him uh, pull a name out of there. There is one caveat that we've pulled out all of the recent winners in, in a separate yep. baggie, and we're going to try and give everybody an equal shot chance. Full disclosure, we, we pulled out Rob Buck's e name. Even though Rob Buck did call, <laughs> and Rob Buck said, if you pull my name out of there again, I'm going to donate $20 to your Bikes for Kids charity. I thought that was pretty cool. But um, Sarah, oh, pick a name. Let's see if she can read my chicken scratch. Nobody can ever read it. I always thought I had decent handwriting, but I guess I don't. But I'm bum bum. Kim Catherine. All right, Kim. Come on down and get to pull something out of the. Uh, Yay. The bin. Yeah, we've got all kinds of fun stuff in there. Um, if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to dialpodcast.com, and you will see the Patreon uh, link right there on the homepage. You can go in there and pick a patron that works best for you, and we really would like to say thank you to everybody for being a patron. Pretty cool stuff, huh? You're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm not a patron. All right. Cool. Let's move on to lead-out news. Champ here. I'm all about having fun. You know, get a couple of cocktails in me. <laughs> Start a fire in someone's kitchen. What's up, Champ? Go to SeaWorld, Champ Bailey here. <laughs> I left my pants on today, unfortunately. Or fortunately. <laughs> or fortunately. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of things that happened in the uh, world tour. There was the uh, tour of Basque country, which uh, actually Primoz Roglic won. He didn't uh, fall apart on the last day. Um, he actually uh, took second on the last day and actually let somebody win the stage because he was winning the overall thing so that was they kind of made a truce with like like one or two k to go so that was kind of exciting to see primos roglic um win you ever been to Basque country no i went once and it was beautiful this is in like the northern spain southern france region oh. they have their own sounds great. they have their own language yeah I knew that. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna stop with this stupid details um <laughs> Also in World Tour news, guess who won a sprint race, Jake? Some old guy. The Monk's Missile. The Monk's Missile. Is that what they call him? Did I say that right? Sure. Mark Cavendish has Man. not won a race since 2018, and he won a sprint in the Tour of Turkey. So kind of exciting to see him do well. Okay, million-dollar question, though. What other sprinters were there? Um, Andre Greipel was there. I think Andre Greipel's like ten years older than Cav. A little bit older, <laughs> and uh, just uh, there's there there weren't many other sprinters yeah. there. But still, it was a World Tour race, and Cavendish won it, and that was exciting for him. Did you get to actually watch the the finish? No. Wait, I yes, I did see. I I saw the like last quick step provide seconds. a nice lead out for him. Yes. 
and, well yeah, and he came and he came around a guy literally in the last like 10 meters he made up a whole bike length wow yeah it was it was pretty crazy and he didn't retire right after the race so he should have stop <laughs> but he did not yeah interesting note about the tour of turkey we have a local portland guy who's actually racing it yeah yeah he was out there doing um some laps when we were doing the fort well not we um evan and jesse tonkinson were doing the uh the forest home uh Everesting challenge when they did the Everesting challenge uh, his name is kent ross uh-huh. he came out and took a stab at the kom that day just to uh flex a little bit on us he did not get it because Mike Guy Van because Mike there. Guy Van flexed harder. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, Kent Ross. I don't know what team he's on, but I just saw on Strava that uh, he's actually doing the uh, tour of Turkey. That's so pretty cool. That's very cool. That's pretty cool. That look, Portland guys out there. So, um, other than that, nothing else happened that I know of. I think we can probably talk about one other triathlon thing that kind of happened over the course of this weekend. Oh, I would be happy to talk about that. Mr. Evan Price did the Galveston 70.3 triathlon yes. race. Yes. He went out there. He had a terrible swim, according to him, a uh, respectable bike split in 216. I don't know what that is in average miles per hour. Do you? 23 and a half for almost 24 miles an hour. And I think that Lionel Sanders was like 27. So a few minutes behind yeah, him. Yeah, and Evan, um, he, God, he he crushed. I mean, he did really, really well for himself, and I think that he's still kind of earning his stripes. I, I saw that his first transition was about 30 seconds slower than the rest of the guys, and I think that actually ended up costing him maybe a spot. Yep. He could have finished one spot. Hard, but, man, uh, kudos to Evan. That's such an awesome, awesome thing. He turned around and ran really well. Yeah. He did a 116 half marathon, which is like 535 pace. That's stupid fast. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy yeah. that he ran that. So he ended up doing the half Ironman in 408, which is smoking fast. Is that a PR for him? I don't know. Evan, we'll have to tell about tell us about that next week, hopefully. Yep. <laughs> so. Still amazing. Yeah, yeah, still amazing that he went out there. And um, I think he took uh, 26th in, like in the like 35 or something race. like that. Yeah. yeah that's I, don't, I don't know how many were there. Awesome. I, mean, I, I thought think there were like 65. Um, I could have swore when I saw I don't the know. depth of the field. Maybe they only went up to 35. Maybe it was just one of those things where they didn't put everybody's name on there. Got to be this fast to <laughs> get, get on the, the finish list. So congrats, Evan Price. We're yeah. proud of you. Yep. Attaboy. Cool beans. All right. Thanks, champ. Champ out. (laughs) Let's get into our topic for the day. (laughs) Anybody want to take a guess what we're going to talk about? Lance, do you have any any idea? Sea kayaking. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Sea kayaking, Oregon. (laughs) Sea kayaking, Oregon. No. No, we got got the folks from Cycle Oregon here. We're going to talk about all things Cycle Oregon. You guys have a bunch of cool stuff coming up. And um, Steve, I'm going to let you just kind of... Talk about Cycle Oregon. Maybe give us a little bit of a background for those that don't know what that is, because we've got people from all around the world that will listen to this. So give us a a brief synopsis, and, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, too. Cool. Great. Well, thanks, everybody. I appreciate the opportunity to talk and and chat with you all today. Um, So Cycle Oregon, basically, we're just a community of people that really love to ride bikes and love to help people. Um, we were started in 1988 as an idea of doing a bike ride out into rural Oregon to try to basically drink as much pizza or drink as much beer and eat as much pizza as we can. How uh, much pizza did you drink this morning? Well, we might, we might drink a lot of pizza, you know, depending on, depending on the day of riding. Um, but really basically just to kind of boost rural, rural Oregon and the economies of rural Oregon and try to bring some awareness out there. And, and the first event was in, uh, 1988. 
eight and they figured about a couple hundred people show up a thousand people showed up and um oh my goodness they went from sailing yeah it went from sailing and brookings and they had really not thought it through all the way i mean like bathrooms are important to have which they didn't really have and lots of food which they didn't really have and um so it was kind of born out of this crazy thing but at the end of it it was like well let's do it again and let's pass the hat around and and give some money back to these great communities and so 33 years later, we'll st- we're still doing that. Um, we've gone from one event to four events. Uh, and we basically are there to, to, to basically be an economic engine. So we see these amazing places. We these amazing towns. Um, we search out all the back roads that y'all can't find on the maps and figure out how to get from A to B. And, um, you know, we pump millions of dollars into the economy every year. And that's something that everybody needs, but in particular rural communities, if you know, are still struggling um, sure. and will continue to struggle in the economy. So uh, it's great. It's um, I've been with the organization for over 20 years. I came out of the fitness industry. Um, I had a fitness uh, company there in Portland for um, almost 20 years. And we did a lot of coaching and training, and that's how I got involved with Cycle Oregon of, of coaching some riders to go out and do a big multi-day event. And I got hooked uh, from the day I went out there and did it. Um, I grew up in small-town Wyoming, so rural is really important to me, and I get it. Yeah. And I, I've also lived in the, in the urban setting, so I understand the city too. But that's my heart is sort of helping those in need um, and the rural scape. So Cycle Oregon does that, and um, it's, it's a blast to be a part of. Steve, so – if I understand this correctly, so Cycle Oregon is like a week-long cycling event where the riders ride from point to point and are camping at each spot. Is that right? Yeah, so we have four events. Um, we have a single-day women event, women's event. We have a, a weekend gravel event. We have a weekend kind of all-road all or all-access event, and then we have our seven day event, which is the classic, which is the one we started in 1988. Yeah. Um, and so all of those, you know, the one day, the single day women's event is not a camping, but all the rest of those are camping. And so we basically say, all you have to do is pedal and we'll take care of the rest. And And it's it's true. I mean, and you get how many people for each one of those events? So for our gravel, we do about four or 500 people for our gravel event. Um, our women's event pulls about a thousand people and then the weekend and the classic pull about 2000 people. I, I gotta tell you, I cannot imagine the amount of logistics that takes to pull something like that off. I mean, I, I did a five day gravel event that was point to point in camping and it was only 300 people and the logistics were ridiculous what they had to pull off. I can't imagine doing that for 2000 people. I mean, do you have a huge staff or crew or volunteer what no what's the it's secret? just me and sarah okay that's that's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah we we got some friends but um yeah no so it is it is huge undertaking um it's we're a moving city and uh we kind of you know if you're ever familiar with what a fire camp is you know you've got kitchens and showers and dining and you've got people everywhere and we're a glorified uh, we're a glorified fire camp it's but, interesting well but we have a lot of people Steve. from the Steve, you've got to add What's in that? The, you have to add in the pizza truck, the beer garden, oh. the main Oh yeah, stage, so we have beer garden, massage, wine garden, massage, uh, we have a whiskey bar, we have acupuncture, we have live music every night. Um, uh, we have God. yoga. We have 
I don't know. We a got bike everything. store that goes with us. Ben and Jerry. We have a traveling Jeez. bike store. Yeah. <laughs> so Bike Gallery has been with us since the beginning. Bike Gallery, aka Trek Portland, I guess now. But um, yeah, they've been they've been with us from the get go. But um, it's really amazing. That's for me one of the funnest parts of just the logistics piece. Um, and I've gotten approached by so many people from the armed forces that have seen that, and they're like, you know, you should go work for the government because if you can pull <laughs> yeah. this kind of thing off. I mean, this level of execution is amazing. And, and I think that's why people come back. I mean, we see some amazing places on the road. Um, we visit some communities that are just out of, out of this world. I mean, Doofer, you guys are in Doofer. We love Doofer. Those guys are great. Um, but, you know, it's the logistics of like the experience is just dialed. So. Well, and, and the volunteer team that we have as well, that we get them year after year and, and just I've actually served as a volunteer on a rest stop coordinator as um, just for kicks and giggles and the um, just the the organization to have this incredible experience at a rest stop just one rest stop even was it's it's so dialed and then the people that come back for decades they know their jobs and they're damn good at it it's, yeah it's, <laughs> and they have fun too and yeah. they have a yeah. it's like in the dorms where we were staying it was literally like summer camp they were all like oh my gosh the whiskey was flowing <laughs> it was it's just like this big party for the volunteers yeah it was yeah. great cool yeah we bring about 160 volunteers on the classic with us and those are cycle organ volunteers and then we recruit at least that many in each town that we go to so a lot of times you know we go to a town we'll well outnumber the population of the town that we're in um, and they'll be, you know, they'll, you'll have kids from the school that are, that are sloughing bags in the morning. They're serving lunch in the afternoon and they're cleaning up, you know, doing recycling in, at night. So um, everybody gets involved. It's a huge community effort. You know, there's about, there's about 350 support people. So between Cycle Oregon team, which there's, there's four to five of us on staff, um, depending on what's going on and the Cura volunteers and then all of our vendors and service providers are there. So you know, it's go to one of your big events and then just think about moving it every single day for seven days to places that don't always have water, power, or or you know other kind of infrastructure. It's uh, wow. it's like it's cool. It's super cool. Giant you mentioned that you you do this to help out the communities as well, the communities that you you visit. Um, it, the the help in the communities is it it just exposure? Is it the cyclists spending money in town? Is it because they're volunteering? You guys are able to kick something back to them. How does that help? Yeah, so for sure. So all the volunteer groups that we that we recruit. So we'll go into a community and say, hey, we need. You know, we have it this all dialed. So that we give them the playbook, right, and say, okay, we need X amount of people for all these things. So all these different groups that help us out. In all these different areas will get a stipend or a grant that goes to their organization. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, so for the classic, for example, for all our communities, we put about $150,000 uh, worth grants and stipends just right into those communities from Cycle Oregon. And then our writers spend about another half a million dollars in those communities um, throughout that event. And then you know, we'll use local service providers. So we'll hire local musicians. We'll hire local groups that can help doing different things. And so, you know, it's, you know, we're coming in about $800 million, $800,000 million of impact just on the classic. So I use that because wow. it's the easiest economy of scale for me to do. And we did a, we did an economic impact survey a number of years ago. And it, it from the classic event, it was about $5.7 million to the state. So wow. for a silly bike ride. Well, you got to remember, we bring in people from all over the world. 
it's not just Oregon people who ride this. It's from every state. It's from, it seems like practically every country, although that's not quite accurate, but a lot from Europe, um, Japan. We get a lot of visitors from there that come. We have a huge group coming out of Alaska, that even though it's the same country, it's a long ways away. Yeah. Um, so we're bringing in a lot of people who come in to spend time. You know, they have to fly in or drive in, and they spend money before and after the event as well. Yeah. And And everyone loves to buy pie from, you know, the local... <laughs> what a 4-H stand is, is you know. pie an American thing and so they <laughs> there's nothing better than pie when you've been riding all day come on you know lemonade stands you name it um, the jerky stand in Elgin there was a smokehouse in Elgin a couple of years ago and that place sold out of jerky it was crazy wow crazy I think that's one of the unique things about about this like say compared to Ragbri Ragbri is a very famous mm-hmm. It's a week-long ride. It's I think it's ride across Iowa or something. I don't know what RAGBRAI stands for. Registers annual guards. Register annual guards ride across Iowa. Iowa. Okay. But it's the same route, I believe. Isn't it the same route every year is RAGBRAI, or is it different? No. Yeah, no, they change every year. But um, they, but they are – so we are very much um, – We'll handle it all for you. So or, events that are like Ragbri, like the Rockies, they'll provide a certain level of infrastructure, but for food and those types of things, you're all on your own. So for Ragbri, you, you will end up oh. kind of jumping on with the porter service that will provide you a bunk truck or a tent or a shower. or And you go to the ah. communities, and the communities will do the meals. Um, so you'll buy you know your corn on the cob and your whatever or – something where we will we will bring the community to us but we will also make sure that that they that we have enough food so the problem that that historically cycle Oregon run into we try to use local vendors is you're like well i need to serve two thousand people pancakes you know i know there's only 200 people in your town but can you do that you know so uh (laughs) the quality control tends to kind of fall off a little bit and we don't want people to be angry so we 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 are kind of insular a little bit in that we make sure we have all that taken care of but then we end up figuring out other ways to dump that money into the community so i love that you know um the cool thing about cycle oregon is that it's a different route every single Mm -hmm. year correct so you're you're researching different towns small towns areas of the state it's always somewhere in the state of oregon or just barely peeking out of the state of oregon but I mean, you're able to do you do a different section of the state and kind of rotate around every year. How do you decide what towns you're going to visit? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, we we have been on pretty much every paved road in this state that I can connect the town to um, within riding distance. So <laughs> uh, so when gravel started to take over, I was super excited because, you know, we come up along this road and be paved and all of a sudden be gravel. You're like, Oh my God, it turns to gravel. Now you're like, sweet. It's gravel. Why did it turn to pavement? You know I mean? It's a whole different, <laughs> right. it's a whole different thing now. Um, but yeah, so, so we kind of try to go around different quadrants of the state and we'll also look at what's happening in the state. So if there's a, a scenic by, byway thing, if there is a, um, some sort of town event if there's some sort of historical celebration that that's out there we'll try to say well we know this is going to happen in two years maybe we can work around that or if we want to do some investments from our from our foundation our grants then maybe that's something we write around but we try to break it up you know the thing is 
we go through communities and I would say 99% of them are like, can you come back next year? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So we're trying to spread the love, you know, and try to figure out, well, we were here five years ago, let's move back here. Or now we know this new road or this new thing is there that we could actually try to get to and try to make it happen. So, um, you know, we, it, it's really, it's really, we have sort of in our minds, this cycle of how we want to work things, but you know, things change that. So, Fire changes that for us. You know, we've had some fire issues um, over the past number of years. As you had to a lot cancel of one have. year, right? You had to cancel one year because of wildfires. It just hit the wrong time in the wrong spot, right? Yeah, yeah. In 2017, so that was after 30 years. That was our. That was the first time we've had to move because of fire, and we just there weren't enough viable places in the state uh, where we could actually knew we could kind of go into somebody else's backyard and do it. You know, there's we've done enough that we can put some stuff together that you know we could execute an event but uh, you know this takes a year plus to put it together so it's not something that's really simple so we we try to have a plan b uh but sometimes a plan b is impacted just as a plan a is so uh, yeah it's just you know it's funny looking for route so um you know you, you can never put a price on safety that's what i tell my wife so so my truck is built out for safety it's built out for back roads drive off a cliff stuck out there a week um it's all about safety but it's really all about that discovery piece so you know we can go back and look at all these weird forest roads that try to connect and you know we really just try to dig into it if i can stay off a major road that's my goal it's like you know we only have certain options to cut from a to b but if we can go if we can go a different way uh, that's where we're going to go good sarah what's your position what's your role with cycle organ so I'm the vice president of the board. Okay. I joined the board, I guess, a year and a half ago now. Okay. Um, I come from a long lineage of riding cycle organ. I rode cycle organ too, back. Um, I was just legal to drink at that point. So. What, like 1989? Uh-huh. Wow. With my dad. <laughs> so I, that was back in the era that Steve was talking about when the communities first you know, I remember this long line to get breakfast in Gilcrest Crescent where they were trying to make waffles <laughs> before we went up Crater Lake. It took forever. And, you know, spaghetti and all of, you know, the, it, but great, great memories and have ridden it on and off, I don't know, probably 15 or more times um, and ridden every event except the joy ride as well. Took my kids on the weekend ride and things like that. So my role as vice chair is really to help, um, you know, help with the chair guide the board and help Steve um, as we think about how we're pivoting um, to really evolve Cycle Oregon to, you know, in the light of we've got climate change and, you know, fires and pandemics and how do we yeah. evolve to be more inclusive? How do we reach new types of riders? Because sure. one of the really interesting things we've noticed is our, our demographics have um, really the people that started riding with us when they were 30 or 40, they're still riding with us. They're just not 30 or 40 anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we kind of need to f evolve that if we're going to remain relevant. And cycling is booming. So how do we you know, rethink who we are? And, and that's part of what Steve's been and the team have been really working on this last year. So that's, yeah. that's my role in an avid rider and board. So, I mean, this is a low-hanging fruit question, but how have you guys done through COVID? And how is COVID going to change things for Cycle Oregon moving forward? Well, I mean, the number one reason things happened is we didn't ride in 2020, and yep. we're Another probably year. not yep. going to ride 
it's we don't know what's going to happen this year. Probably not going to ride this year, but we're you know. Are you planning like hope or like expecting the worst and hoping for the best? And you're still doing yeah. all of the planning process. I'll let Steve take that since he's really the operational. He handles all that stuff. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So you know we are um, op, um, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. That we can play this year uh, on two wheels. Um, you know the reality is we don't know. Nobody knows, right? I mean you've got. Uh, counties that just went back into extreme. So there's lots of variations, but I think that um, I think there's a good opportunity. We'll be doing something in the, in the fall. Um, I'm not going to say we can or can't, but, but we are planning um, best we can to be able to execute that. Um, as you can imagine with the way we do something like classic. So we're seven days. So we're probably in four different counties all of which have different rules, all of which have different permits, all of which are like, mm, maybe yes, maybe no. So so there's a lot of other things at hand other than cycle organs saying, yeah, we're going to go ride, right? So, um, but but what it, what it has done, you know, with, with COVID and, um, you know, with the forest fires, as Sarah mentioned, sort of climate and all that, you know, it's really, it's really, I would say, allowed us to look internally a little bit more about the organization and what the organization is doing. We've talked about it for a number of years of like, you know, we do a little bit. We could do so much more. What can we do? It's like, oh, we don't have time. We're doing events. We, we just are swamped with events. Well, we didn't have events last year, right? We, we're not having a lot of events so far early this spring. So, so we've really been able to look at how the organization becomes a more comprehensive organization and how it can provide a bigger impact throughout the state when we're not doing events. So how can we supplement that so that, you know, Cycling Glory can continue to support and help those others um, when we're still sitting at home on our trainers. Uh, gotcha. So it's been it's been really great. I think that, um, you know, there's there's definitely folks that are out doing stuff. I mean, you look at Mike Ripley. I know you guys know Mike and, you know, Mike's at the right. He's the right number count to be able to do stuff. And he's also from a racing standpoint, which a lot of you guys are you know, primarily focused on the racing stuff. You know, there's ways to make that work where, you know, you can do delayed starts, you can do different stops, you can do socially stuff. We're built around community and really the recreational celebration part of that. So, you know, we, we don't have time starts. We don't have time stops. We, we have beer gardens, we have music at lunch, we have massage. I mean, you know, we have all this other stuff. And so for us to do what we call a cycle Oregon event is, is much different than what we could do um, based on what other folks are doing, you know, like Chad's able to do some stuff in 300 person range. We just, we're just too big for that. Yeah. We just don't have that economy scale. So, um, but it has allowed us to do some other stuff and, and some of this pivot that we're talking about and, and doing some other programming, we're working with a lot of our partners on how we can show up for the state. And, uh, we've got, you know, so a lot of things that are in the hoppers that we're excited to talk about here as we get into the year, as things kind of start, the ink starts to dry on a lot of these things. But, you know, one of the things we just uh, launched last week was our basically a cycle organ membership group called COG, C-O-G, uh, and pun intended, but it also stands for a community of giving. And, um, you know, it's a way for people to be a little bit more involved with the community of cycle organ to make a little bit more difference in what we can do and how we can give back. And, you know, it's all part of joining that 
community social piece. And, and Sarah can probably put a little bit more to that too. We, you know, she was kind of behind this, Hey, how do we do this? How do we get more people engaged? Like, how do we get the people that are now 80 that want to ride with us, but can't ride anymore? Like what's their engagement point? How can they continue to help cycle Oregon and do cool things for the state? And so this, this membership is really what we tried to push. Well, and and I think what's, what Steve's been talking about is, you know, we're looking at, it, you know, we typically have been ride first. Well, and bicycling and, and economic development and rural engagement is so much more than just putting on an event. So sure. how do we help get more people on bikes? How do we expand access to bikes, bike routes, education, whatever it is, and, and making sure we're exposing people to the amazing rural communities that we have. You think about the du- Dufer just seems to be our town of the, of the day, but <laughs> it's a great example of a town you would never get to unless yeah. you rode a bike. Um, and the community of giving, I think, is it's a new idea for us. It's rather than paying a member, you know, a ride fee, become a member. Um, we'll have some cool swag. We have a really cool jersey, so it cogs on it. It's really <laughs> super cool. But, you know, you're going to get um, access to some events. You're going to have um, – we've got a great piece at the high level to help provide input into our grants program. So getting to help us kind of weed through grant opportunities and give some you know feedback on that. Um, it's just it's just a really great way to still be part of Cycle Oregon. Um, as Steve mentioned, when you're 80 and you can't do Cycle Oregon, but you still have amazing fondness for it, how else you know this allows you to be part of that community? Oh, so wow. yeah. we just launched that. It's going to be open for a month for the founders members, and so we're really hoping to reach a broad audience and de- you know really help, help that will keep going in the future as well. And um, lots of n- other really cool stuff coming down the road this year. Excuse me. What are some things that you're doing to attract a younger demographic? Can you guys name anything in particular? Or some things that you're thinking about? You guys have a TikTok account now. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We have a TikTok account, and you get we give away mobile phone mounts for your handlebars, so you can just make sure you're watching the screen all there the time. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag watch myself ride. Um, you know, a lot of it. A lot of this. You know, the, the COVID and, and all you hear about is the bike boom, right? As everybody's pulled out their Huffy and their 1972 Schwinn Stingray and it's yeah. gone out. And, and you know, there's a lot of people in the event world that are like, man, cycling's going to kill it. It's like, no, these people still want to just ride to the park, right? So how do you provide something for that? How do you give them that opportunity? And I think that's part of the events that we do is we try to give folks that opportunity. So particularly our weekend events and our gravel events and our, our women's event, you know, we, we are look we have short routes, like your longest route could be 12 miles. Mm-hmm. Right. But for that, for that person, that's epic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and to do that with help. And, you know, I can remember the first joy ride we did and on the 12 mile course, and I was listening to a number of women at the lunch stop, just calling their friends and partners and saying, I'm halfway there. This is awesome. You know, and <laughs> six miles. And a lot of us take that for granted, you know, but that's the feeder, right? That's how we get people hooked into the sport and what a great thing cycling can do for you. And so, you know, as we look forward to these other events, like our classic, a lot of people are like, I can't ride seven days in a row for 500 miles and 35,000 feet of climbing. And, you know, so we've made some changes and some tweaks to that. So you have multiple layover days, we have some options. So, you know, over a week, you can ride 240 miles as opposed to, you know, 450. And so there's some options there to get people that, you know, want to try it, but don't want to commit to it. I mean, you all know, races, it's commitment, right, to train. So if you're like, hey, we're going to go ride 500 miles in a week, and you're going to climb 40,000 feet, that's a commitment. Uh, to yes. train to that and a lot of people don't have crazy. that yeah. that time 
Yeah, well, it is a little crazy, but yeah. Well, and Steve, um, I think one other thing that you've been doing is looking at how do we um, really foster community engagement when we're in town. Yeah, you know, because that's something that a young, the younger generation really loves to feel that social, you know, connection and and giving back and having a purpose to what they're doing. And so, how do we engage with the local, you know, either trail building or or some some community engagement sure. type of thing? And I think that's a really cool adjustment to the model as well. Do you guys try to connect with the competitive bike racing community in any way, shape, or form? That's an interesting question. So we've we've talked a little bit about that. Um, we definitely have those that uh, come from the competitive nature that are on your podcast that uh, follow <laughs> you. We have some we have some dialed riders actually on our events, um, and it's interesting. But because you know the thing that we offer is just epic routes. Mm -hmm. right epic climbs descents and a lot of the times um, you know those competitive people so the course opens on the classic at 6 30 so i'm usually out on the route at five in the dark um, getting stuff laid out you know um, fellow event people can you know go along with my misery but yet joy of working in the dark and uh, all that but you know, these guys, I'll, I'll get to the first rest stop and it'll be 630 and that say that's 15 miles out. You know, we open the course at 630. You know, there's somebody there at 640. You know, there's a pack of people that are like, we're on, it's on, we're going, you know, and uh, it's pretty funny to see those guys because, you know, you know, they're going to be in a camp at nine o'clock. Like we won't even have left the one town and they're already going to be in the next town. But that's the thing. They get out, they get on it and they have these wide open roads. They know they've got support out there and they just go have a great time. And you know, we try to provide these opportunities for for more challenging options for those that want it. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about uh, the, in the event that we didn't have uh, in the Painted Hills, but on our on one of our days doing a Strava timed event, and you know, it's only you got to leave by this time. It's only open for this, and if you want to go, you got to get in front of everybody else and go. So we were looking at just different ways to to engage that audience. Can folks connect with you guys on Strava? Do you have a Strava club on there? Sarah would be able to answer that question because I, I don't, don't believe we do. I don't know that answer. Because Cycle Urban historically has not been about like Strava segments and all that. And it's a one-time event. But that we do have engagement on, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook and all of that. Yeah. But we don't have a Strava club as far as I'm aware of. You I, should. I would be on part of it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily have to involve around, you know, racing yeah, every single segment. Idea. It's a good place to connect. be able to connect with your people because you send out a notification. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody's phone gets a little message alert like, hey, Cycle Organ's got this going on. Or That's check true. out that. So. Yeah, well, and we've got some cool things that, you know, we're, you know, that would be a great way to do training rides and things like sure. that, too, because yes. we're starting to try and do some of those sorts of things yeah. as well. How do you guys put out all of your uh, GPS? Um, do we have them as ride with GPS um, files as, and, and these amazing maps? I mean, that's part of the, the experience is you get these beautiful glossy maps with, you know, the gradients and everything. Sure. That are, and then we also post the, the GPS files. But, the you know, on the course, you never need a GPS because it, it's marked it is marked well. to a T with pink arrows and there's a very no Dan Henry's you know it's one arrow two arrow three arrow it's a system that's been worked yeah. for years and it's so you yeah if you get lost you on a cycle organ event you're trying to get lost on a cycle <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> awesome gotcha what are the questions you got Lance um I know there's always like a big reveal moment when you actually release the course for the next year um yep. has has this year's potential course been released yet 
Yeah, so uh, we did a little save the date. So this year's course would be what we would have ridden in 2020. So our we, the, for our classic, it was in the Painted Hills. Okay. Um, it's a killer route of lots of options. We got gravel, we got pavement, we got everything. But historically, the end of January, early February, every year we do a big, what we call our kickoff of announcement party. Um, okay. So we throw a big party and uh, then we announce every place we're going you know, for all four events and other things that we're doing, what's on our sort of agenda for the year. So I'm looking forward to next year's kickoff party. Cause I think we're going to have a lot of cool things to talk about. Cause they're, they're, they're like big events. The, uh, the kickoff party is like a, it's a it's, happening. It's legit thing, right? It is. Yeah. It's, we have between like 600 and 1200 people show up to it. Wow. It, oh it's gosh. amazing. And, you know, we have some vendors will be there, like some of our sponsors. And it's good times seeing all your friends that you haven't seen in four uh, months yeah. that you rode with in, you know, last September. It's a big secret. I mean, Steve keeps it pretty tight to the vest as to where we're going. So it's always a complete, you know, he'll give a hint or two, but it's a big secret. I um, I remember I, uh, I, uh, I modeled for the gravel event. <laughs> A couple years ago, John Kraft, who is uh, one of your official photographers, yep. he is a teammate of ours, and he asked me to come yep. um, uh, take some pictures to ride bikes on some of the gravel events. Guess what? They were around Doofer. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want you to come do this. And I'm like, sure, I'm going to do anything. But I had to be sworn to secrecy where I was. I couldn't make the Strava ride. <laughs> I couldn't make it public because he's yep. like, hey, this is a big deal. This isn't going to come out till February or something. And I'm I'm like, oh wait, this this sound it it intrigued me. Yeah, it intrigued yeah. me that. Well, that's cool. It's kind of a that, cool thing, yeah. Yeah, John's great. John is John has been um, he's been our photo guy for a long time, and so we do we do a pre ride every year. So we'll go and ride the future event. Um, so and for example, like, we would ride this summer for next year. You like so there's we a, just there's staff and employees, uh, twenty or thirty of you, or something like that. It's about there's about ten of us, and it's okay. a mix of some of the team, it's some volunteers, it's some friends of the family, kind of a cycle organ love. But uh, yeah, and John, you know, John's Mr. Photographer, Mr. Social. I'm like, dude, you got to unplug everything you're connected to, right? Yeah. Because no, nobody can be tracing where you no are right GPS now. No GPS tracking. This, yes. yeah. No GPS tracking. Like he's like, oh, this thing. I'm like, nope. Come back and ride it in a year. Turn it off. Like I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. He's, but he's a great A. You guys are lucky to have him on part of your team. He's great. Good. Um, just real quick, we we started to kind of touch a little bit about those early mornings for you. Tell me about a typical day for a cyclist. What would a cyclist expect to kind of go through during the course of a day, and what does it look like? Yeah. We could probably split this up, sure. Steve. Well, you, Sarah, you, you talk about that. Yeah, you're the cyclist. I know what I know what happens, but yeah, you could fill in on the what else happens. But uh, you know, your typical day is you get up and it's colder than the bejeebers usually because we're somewhere <laughs> up in the mountains in yep. september in september um it can be 30 degrees you wear your down you have get your hat and your down coat on you go get a cup of coffee and breakfast um usually brings them back to the tent can i ask one other quick question yeah when you wake up in the morning it, you guys are camping every single night we are how and does that shake down how, how does that work oh uh, well so there's two approaches well there's three technically um one is you bring your you bring all your own stuff sure and you have to shove it in a bag that weighs 50 pounds ish and you you're responsible for schlepping it to a truck and it will show up magically in a pile at that truck at the next spot you put it up in a designated area uh -huh. approach two which is my preferred way to do it which is called tent and porter 
they nicely put up your tent. They deliver your bag to said tent, and all you have to do is just make your tent within, you make up your campsite within yeah. your tent. Um, and then the third way is you can bring an RV, which is, of course, the far preferred way, even because you stay dry and warm and you don't have to pack up anything. You that, just... that, that was my next question because with the advent of sprinter vans that have kind of taken over yep. the like, you uh, outdoor. Have a driver, though. Someone yeah, somebody has to drive and park yeah. it yeah yeah but that so those are kind of the three basic approaches um so y you get up you know your tents you're, you get out of your tent you go wander down get some coffee some breakfast um you're gonna go back you're gonna get dressed and you've got to get everything back into your duffel including your tent if you're not doing tent and porter yeah um get your bike organized you hit the road somewhere you know i'm i'm one of the earlier people but um that you know some tricks are like you send one spouse ahead and one packs up the tent and plays chase for a while that helps equalize the riders mm. that's a it's a clever approach um then you get on the road and everything you you know basically you just need your clothing your gear you don't need to worry about your food really because there's rest stops and the food is amazing yeah i mean you don't you, you gain weight on these rides you don't <laughs> lose weight ever <laughs> um and so you have a rest stop usually in a water stop if it's a long haul then you'll have lunch and lunch will be a box lunch. Although I do remember the hot uh, Mexican food burritos that we had down by the coast. That was really, really good that we did on that trip. That just have like a hot I'm buffet burritos. It was amazing. <laughs> and then you'll have another rest stop um, and maybe another water stop. And you roll into town, come, you know, and you, it, depending on your camping mode, you go back to your tent. If you're back, your tent and porter, your bag's there, you unpack, you get organized, you go hit the shower trucks, hot showers. Um, there's always plenty of showers, so you don't have to wait long. Then you get food, go listen to some music, drink a beer, maybe have a pizza if it's a while before dinner, um, listen to music all night, and then dance if you want, and go <laughs> what, to bed. What's the average distance of each ride? Um, I'm sure it varies uh, a little bit. It but varies, it, but 50 to 100 miles is probably about right for the average yeah, day. Yeah, so we, we're about 65 miles a day, if you think about that's about what our average typically is. But you'll have some 80s and you'll have some 50s, but and, and it ranges that, right around there. Yeah, and within that, you could have 1,000 feet of climbing or you could have six. You know, it, yeah. it, the, the really hard days are the ones that are like six, 7,000 feet of climbing and 80 or 90 miles. Yeah. <laughs> Those can be really, really – we had a really long haul the last – in 2019 to get to diamond lake that was like a 95 mile day or something like that and again year over year you average how many riders was it 2000 you said 2000 yeah on give or take and logistically for the rider is it pretty easy to be able to use the restrooms to get in a shower to get food i mean you guys really provide everything above and beyond on everything and uh -huh. you have access to all that stuff yeah i mean i mean steve i mean you feel free to join in um i mean from just from my perspective you know occasionally you'll have to wait for a shower like you stand in line for a couple of minutes sure the women seem to be getting off better these days than the men uh, it seems like i rarely have to wait for a shower anymore but there's chairs there and you there's like 12 showers in a truck and you each have your you know your private shower uh -huh. it's great lunch or dinner there's a little bit of a line but there's like six serving lines so you just boom 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 um you really wow. don't and there's porta potties up the blue room is just magic how they pull that off it's amazing watching those guys work i mean you've never seen better porta potty yeah. hygiene <laughs> than you've seen on cycle oregon this now it's cool and everything moves you know and the, th the cool thing is is that um you know you're standing in line but you start to talk to somebody and you're like oh you're yeah. from brazil like that's so cool and um, everybody is i remember my first cycle oregon that i went on it was in 20 it was in 2000 and and one and i was astonished at 
you know, here's, here's, it had over 2000 people and, you know, tents are open, bikes are everywhere. Like literally you walk by a tent and there's a wallet laying there and whatever. And everybody's just there to have fun and they want to do stuff together. And yeah, they're on vacation. Exactly. And it's like, Hey, I'll buy you a beer. Where are you from? Cool. You know, and it's just this giant community thing where there, there, there aren't any egos that are, that come, that are prevalent. I mean, like, come on, there's egos, that's right? Jake but, and I haven't been but everybody's, <laughs> well, exactly. So, so that's a, ego. that's a, that's a double fee charge. We'll talk to you about the ego fee. Uh, that's involved in that, but I mean, it's really cool. And, and even if you're standing in line for something, I mean, people are getting along and they're friendly and nobody's, everybody's just there to have fun. It's just great. Okay. My, my brain is breaking just a little bit thinking about this because I can't imagine going on a week long cycling trip without my bike computer, my cell phone, or my Apple watch and being able to take pictures and charge all three of those things every night. How do 2,000 people charge their devices in a field somewhere? Yeah. What, how a do you deal with that? You plug into a current bush. Just plug into a current bush. <laughs> the magic of the community um, cycling center. The magic of the current bush. Yeah, so interesting. You know, so 20 years ago, right, yeah, not we a had a thing. phone tree, you know. So, so we would actually set up like a mobile phone tree, and the guys would tap into a line, and you could I stand in line that. on a pay phone, right, to call. That. And now everybody's got like 12 things. And I remember when I remember when Facebook came out, I was like, we are not doing social media. I mean, it's like we are out. We are going out there to unplug, not to plug in all the time. And clearly I, lo- I lost that battle. But um, so, so now we have uh, the community will provide a charging service, you know, so you can the kids from the high school will charge your devices. You can go to the gym and they'll, you can pay them a buck or whatever. Um, Community Cycling Center uh, out of Portland travels with us and they do bike detailing, but they also have a charging service. So that that will help fund some of the stuff that Community Cycling Center does. So they actually have a solar trailer that they pull with them now that will help charge batteries. So they have all the stuff and you just you know, check up well, and hang your and thing Steve, or you can, you're, you're you can do a power block. You're underselling this thing. So th- imagine a giant, you know, like booth and they have hundreds of little cubbies in this thing. With chart with power strips, and you check your device in, and they've got hundreds charging at once. It's all solar. Okay. Okay. And and basically, yeah. You, this is a whole. This is a whole thing. It's a everybody's thing. charging oh, their devices. It's a complete thing. So it's a it's a thing every evening. Okay. Oh yeah, and the minute you get my in, my brain is less broken. Yeah, moment. and like you can get an unlimited charge, and so like we used to do this. Like okay, you drop off your Garmin, and then go shower and get a and beer, they, and then we're gonna swap, swap them. The, the Garmin for the put my <laughs> and phone then, in, and then we'll do the phone, and then if yours is okay we'll do the next one it was ridiculous well i would be taking like pictures all day and then posting them that night and it's sharing with everybody i will tell you there are times there is no cell service we we do end up in black holes of of connectivity that's also wonderful yeah yeah that's also good it's absolutely wonderful. But I still want my phone to take some pictures. Exactly. Well, Steve has got that figured out. And it supports Community yep. Cycling Center, which equally is yeah. wonderful about getting kids on bikes. I love it. And they do this bike detailing service. That's the other really cool thing. Because, like, there's times you will ride through, you know, like um, like a cattle drive even. Oh. We, we did that one time. <laughs> but, like, so they do a complete bike detail overnight. So you drop your bike off. And you pay them a bit of money, and they you come back with this perfectly shiny bike that's just completely detailed end to oh, end. Wow, it's a great thing. 
It's nice. a great thing. That's pretty cool. It is. Well, Throw particularly for people like Sarah that sleeps with her bike. You know, it's important <laughs> to have a clean bike. <laughs> She's got it padlocked to the tent stake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You it has that. its own sleeping bag. Exactly, <laughs> right. Yeah. I just pet it every night before bed. That's it. Tell us about uh, your virtual challenge. Yeah, so um, as you all know, the when the events kind of shut down, everybody went like, well, let's go virtual. Let's do it. And um, CycleLorgan was very intentional about not doing something like that. We didn't want to try to try to recreate an event that really wasn't what, what we're at the heart of. And so we kind of waited to see what happened. And, um, you know, we saw how that sort of started to take a place, but it's really not really a replacement for event, but more of a community building thing. And so... Um, we are working with Ride with GPS. Uh, you guys are all familiar with those guys, I'm sure. Kevin and the crew are great, yep. and yes. um, and they are launching a new challenge platform. And um, so we are one of the first handful of folks um, internationally that's going to be doing a challenge. So we are going to be launching a challenge next month. Um, so we are going to be we did a little baiting to our ridership uh, to kind of be ready. We didn't give a lot of details about it, but it's going to be something that we're going to do for a while. And it'll be something that we can we can help complement our riders. So those that can't join us can actually join us in the future. So we're pretty stoked about it. Um, but, awesome. but but again, yeah, it was it was not like, oh, you're going to ride our route and Here's your thing. It's like, no, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to wait and see how we how it how it fits with CycleOrg and how it feels right for us. We've always been very intentional uh, on what we do, um, and not that others aren't, but that's just something that we've always been. So we were like, everything needs to make sense. The membership needs to make sense. The other programs that we're doing has to make sense. They have to be on brand, and they have to be long term solutions. We're not about putting band aids on this. You know, I'm about creating surgery and fixing this. And COVID has really shown that of there's some things, you know, in the industry that need to be fixed. I mean, you all know that, you know, road cycling has been on the decline for years, right? Races yeah. are challenging. Yeah. It's like, what is it? It's when, when we come out of the pandemic, that didn't go away, right? So it's still out there. And so those that are thinking about, well, we get through this, it's going to be great. We're back to normal. It's like normal wasn't great before, no. yeah. you know, so how do we continue to build it? And so that's what we're looking at. It's like, how do we be intentional? How do we... How do we take on programs and events that are really going to have the long game in mind? And and we're thinking this virtual challenge will be part of that. That's a good step in that direction. Um, I, you know what? I'd, I'd like to hear like a very cool story about something that happened uh, during one of the events or or a group that gets together or, or something that you might be inspiring that happened during that. I know I have... I have a bunch of guys I ride with. I used to ride with on Saturdays. We call ourselves the Mari Group because it used to meet at a bakery called Mari's, which no longer exists, but it's still called the Mari Group. Mm -hmm. And they have, there's a group of 10 or 12 of them that have done Cycle Oregon like 15 times. They call themselves Team Martini. You probably know. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah. Yep. Because yep. every night they get together with their tents and they all have martinis in mm -hmm. their little thing. And they had, they had jerseys yep. made that same Team Martini and they all wear them during the ride and whatnot. And I thought it was just a, it was a group of like 10 or 15 people that every year got together at Cycle Oregon to go do this ride, which I, it, just it made them all very good friends and very tight and it was a great bonding experience for them but i don't know do you have like uh, cool stories about inspirational things or cool things that happened during one of the events in the last 30 years <laughs> only a couple <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let me see. I, Sarah, do you want well, to start? Let me tell you about something I found really inspiring. You're going to have to help me, though, with the name of the organization because I can't it, – it's escaping me. I'm having a senior moment. But last time we rode in 2019 um, on the Crater Lake Day, I was – having a it was a glorious day on crater like like one of the best but one i got um going up the the last big hill back up to the rim i was riding with the the folks in the we the hand cycles that were oregon adaptive sports the oregon adaptive sports group that was on sort of beta testing could they support people doing cycle oregon and there were two of their riders and they had a they had a companion rider with them and they were they had done the you know a big chunk of the rim and they were working their way up from rim village up to the top and it was so inspiring they were doing so well and it was just so great to see it opened up to again somebody different than our classic male Fantastic. 19 you know male in their 50s on a road bike here they were doing that and so that to me that was the most recent like awe inspiring thing um, the Crater Lake Rim Ride is not easy. It's like 35 miles, but like 4,000 feet of climbing. And not a flat thing There's on it. There's nothing flat no. going around that rim. No, yeah. and we had, oh, it was a perfect, uh, kind of like yesterday was a perfect day in Dufer. This yeah. was like the perfect day. But, I mean, there's a lot of other, you know, like wonderful moments of bagpipers on hillsides as we're going by. And the and the, gri the grilled cheese sandwiches in the rain at the summit going into <laughs> no Oak, way. going into a Rainbow. And, you know, just these wonderful moments that you just, they just make you smile and they make riding just this magical thing. So, um, but, you know, those are some of my, yeah, we, but... we like to have the unexpected, the unexpected experiences is really what, you know, which is cool. And I think that's stuff that we provide, but it's also those things that happen when you're there. And, and um, you know, the grilled cheese is great. Franz has been a sponsor for years and they have a grilled cheese chuck and we hit it up on the woods at a rest stop and people showed up In and we made hot grilled cheese sandwiches oh for them. <laughs> you yeah, know? Well, Wait, so you had this, you had this, Food truck parked out in the middle of nowhere, uh -huh. making hot grilled cheese making sandwiches. hot grilled cheese sandwiches for people. Just at a rest stop, wasn't lunch stop. No, it was like here's a little here's a little pick me up. Oh yeah, I've got I've got a couple yeah. more then that that come to mind. So we were in oh, somewhere in Central Oregon, and this woman who is an organic peach farmer pulled up in her truck full of perfectly juicy peaches and was just handing them out as you went by. Oh, wow. I mean, it was <laughs> just like, oh, my goodness. And then going up Rattlesnake Grade on a 95-degree day on our tandem, the water truck, it was so hot. The water truck was coming along and spraying people as we were going up the <laughs> yes. hill. So you got just you got cold dust. water all over you. It was awesome. <laughs> and going to the rodeo, because we, we, we've been to the Pendleton Roundup multiple times and have this whole section of spandex. <laughs> um, at, the rodeo. at the rodeo, right at the rodeo, yeah, you know. So we've had some just amazing, and and the bike rodeo that we used, we used to have. Every what is that? So I wanted to ask you about what is the bike rodeo. <laughs> Steve, do you want to take the that bike one? rodeo? Want me to take it? Yeah. One? So, so you know, bike gallery, as I mentioned, has been coming from the from the get go, and so they started. Gosh, I don't know how many years ago. Seems like forever, 20 years ago, maybe this bike rodeo. And so one night on the event, all of the bike mechanics um, to shut down the mechanic stands and they all come out to the main stage and we have a bike rodeo. And so they are in competition with each other. So there are track stands, there are um, jousting, there um, are limboing. There, anything they can do to knock their fellow people off the bikes is all about the challenge. They, we have wheelie challenges out into the crowd. Uh, 
it's great, but it's really a you know uh, a night for those guys to blow off some steam. They are working their butts off all week, and everybody gives it appreciation. But it's you know we'll have the blue room tow where they hook up the bikes to the blue rooms and start dragging <laughs> these portable potties across <laughs> the stage. And, and Jay Graves was the the most competitive of all of them when he Absolutely. was still on the ride. He Absolutely, would, he would just make it crazy, but. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's, the dominator. Yes, that's the. I think that you're getting a sense of you know, the cycle organ. It's, it's a bike ride, but there's always these magical moments that you just, you just sit there and talk about, or this vista, or you know, the cheerleaders cheering you, you know, as you come into town. Oh, cool. Like they're all out there, you know, in this little tiny town, and there's all the cheerleaders there. You know, there's some things like that that just make it much more than just a, a bike ride from point A to point it, B. It's a, it's a week-long party in spandex. It, it is. And, and you're, you know, you, you pull up to drop off your bags at the first evening before we take off, and it's just like you're back home, and it's like it's like the circus, and you're, you've gone, you know, this exotic place, and it's like so <laughs> brilliant and, uh, and just really magical. So I can't think of a better way to see Oregon. And Oregon oh, is yeah. an absolutely stunningly beautiful state. Yes. So I... I think I need to go do this now. You guys I are talking me into this. Very you need to. <laughs> Bring the fam. Yeah, for sure. Um, how young will you guys allow a rider to be to come out there and join you? Well, we've had babies. <laughs> yep. on it. Yeah, we don't have we don't have age limits. I mean, um, you know, we have we've had lots of tag alongs. We've had a family that has had their two kids on a quad and they have grown up and now the kids are on their own bikes and now they're beating the parents. Wow. And um, uh, we've had people. Uh, you know, like I said, babies just being towed in a burly trailer. Um, so it's really, you know, a lot of it support wise, we have to figure out from a support standpoint, you have uh, kids and parents need to stay together and that kind of thing, but we don't have any age limits. There's always some, you know, eight, 10 year old ish, you know, who've been taken out of school for the week who ride and, and yeah. just, uh, you know, either on a tandem or on their own bikes and they, and it's great. Everyone, I mean, they're usually the most popular of the group you know everybody wants to talk to the kids they're yeah you know, they're well looked after and and they seem to have a good time and usually it helps to have you know the ability to give them an off day and things like that but really it's up to the the family and the kids and you know the weekend which is another ride we do i i did it once with a triple with my daughter and my niece on it going wow. up to astoria column that was like the hardest climb i've ever done oh. hucking <laughs> these two five-year-olds <laughs> you know so it, it, it's very accessible for the shorter rides especially nice now i've heard you mention people from alaska i've heard brazil where else from around the world where i guess where haven't people been from but seriously though where do, where do people come from from all over the world and how are they finding out about you well i don't know about how they find out but i mean we europe is a big there's there's yeah. typically a group from germany japan is is very very popular we have canada as, as well um you know, I I could come up with the list. I just didn't look at it before I came over. But Steve, you probably know more about how do they hear about us? Word of mouth. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it, um, you know, Travel Oregon is a sponsor partner of ours, and you know they do some international stuff. So a lot of them have heard that. But but we've had people that have come over um, that have written about us over there overseas, and so that has sort of developed this a little kind of following from Europe Europeans. Um, primarily but it, again it's that it's that word of mouth that generally just provides all of our kind of go to it and you know we have you know from a retention rate we probably have 60% of the people are return riders every year yep. so Absolutely. you know we're getting about 40% that are new that come in um, but a lot of people just hold on to it so it's great yeah we have groups that have been you know we have people have done every single ride still 
Oh wow. my gosh. There's a handful of them. There, yeah. There's like, but what is it, under 10, but there's still a handful that have done yeah. every single one. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's definitely amazing. What can we do to help you guys out? Well, I think part of it is just being on the show, so thank you. But I think the community of giving is something we'd really like to encourage people to check out. We'd love to have you be part of our community because we really want to continue to really expand and, and be relevant to the cycling community and and really foster a year-round community, not just sure. when we're on the rides. And then when we start to ride, come ride with us. It's if you've ne No matter if you're a racer or just beginning, come ride with us because we'll make it an amazing experience for you. Okay, so Community of Giving, or COG, where, COG. where can people go to find out more about that? Uh, Cycle Oregon website. Steve, you want additional details? Yep, cycleoregon.com. So they're um, Community of Giving. And so if you go right to our homepage, there's a link straight to the Community of Giving page. And you know they can look at all the other stuff, our impact. You can look at grant stories that we've done, um, and, you know, investments that we've made throughout the state so there's a whole slew of information there so yeah just just check us out if you think you you know a lot of people are like oh yeah i've heard about cycle organist that 53 year old white guy recreational ride it's whatever it is. that's not my jam uh it's not that right yeah. it's not your grandpa's ride anymore so it's right. very different uh than maybe what some people think this so i would just say give us a look check it out see what's out there and uh, you won't be disappointed well, and let me just put one more plug on the the cog. We're this year is really we're calling you know the Founders Club. It's going to have special recognition to really kickstart this. It's going to be an ongoing membership thing, but this is the big you know help us make that transition to a new cycle Oregon. Be part of it. So we'd love to have you join us. So how does that work financially? Is there like are there different tiers? Or there are. There's okay. three tiers. Um, we have a fifty dollar tier that that is kind of the basic um, membership. Then there's a two hundred and fifty dollar tier which is called steve what's the name Pace of it Paceline. Paceline. pace line and you get that amazing jersey i talked about as well as some other additional perks and then we've got the top level which is a thousand dollars which is breakaway breakaway and you get an amazing shower pass uh duffel bag as well as the jersey and the ability to have some input on the you know what, what we do with our grants because steve has he's mentioned the foundation a couple of times the jersey's cool the Look jersey's it. very the cool. jersey's yep. cool very cool yep um but steve's mentioned the foundation a couple times and i think it's worth double tap uh tapping on that and just making sure that we talk about what we do with those the foundation as well and, and the grants we give out so steve do you want to just add a couple sentences on that because yeah sure absolutely so um we started a foundation or a fund, the Cycle Oregon Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation in 1996. And we we're talking about earlier of like, we made this money, let's pass the hat and give it back. So we made a very conscious effort to figure out how we could do more um, through a fund. And so we have been investing proceeds from the ride since, since 1996 into that fund. Um, we have given about two and a half million dollars in grants out from that fund since then. And we right now have a little over two and a half million dollars in the fund. So. That fund is separate of Cycle Oregon, but all of our the money that we generate, any proceeds will go to that fund and then we can do these grants. And so these are primarily for community grants. So super easy for small communities to apply for a grant. It could be for a water heater. It could be build a community center. I mean, there's it's a varying degree of what these grants are out there. But but that's really about how we continue to make that impact is have this fund where people can give to do simple grant applications and we can give money back every year. So we give about one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars in grants a year um, from that fund, in addition to all that other stuff we talked about earlier. So it's really okay. feeding that work and feeding that fund and how that fund can do more work uh, in the future. That's how we make a you know continual impact in those communities beyond just bringing a lot of cool riders through. 
there. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. You guys have to come ride with us. Bring the dialed team. Yes. In full disclosure, I was signed up to come one year <laughs> and paid for the tent and porter service oh. because I wanted it to be uh, oh, yeah. I wanted to be 100%, lush. 100%. But I ended Absolutely. up not being able to make it. So He went and raced instead. I did. I stayed home. And there were cyclocross. It's during the cyclocross season. I ended up. I'm not going to make any excuses. He just didn't show. <laughs> Got it. He just made a show. Nice I sold my tent and porter service yeah. to somebody else. But you so. made a nice donation to the Cycle Oregon. I fund, did yeah. make a donation to the Cycle Oregon. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people. I, I I don't even know if I know right off the top of my head. What does it cost to go do the the classic or the, the I, I guess all the different events? What does yeah. something like that cost? Steve, that's your world. Sure. Um, yeah, that's my world. Well, be pre-COVID. I will put a disclaimer on that pre-COVID because there's a lot more requirements now. But um, for the week-long event, it's a thousand bucks basically, um, and that has all your food, has all your gear hauling, has all your stuff. It does not pay for your beer and it does not pay for your massage, but it pays for pretty much everything else. And then, um, like our women's events, a hundred bucks. Our weekend event uh, is between two hundred and three hundred dollars. So between that and the gravel event, again, everything's covered. So and that you know, we've got medical on site that travels with us. We got ambulances. We got police. We got all kinds of stuff. And but, the bike support yeah. they provide. Yeah. Basically, you pay for parts, but no labor. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. So like my derailleur squeaking. They fix it. They fix it. My bike fell over and is destroyed. They fix it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I blew out my rim. They fix it. You know, it's just the parts. So, so the thousand dollars for the week long does not sound like nope, enough. That's, that's it, a great deal. It, honestly, that's a, a great deal. deal. Now, how much more is it for the tent porter though? What is it like four? Four fifty. Four fifty. So and it's so worth it. One thousand four hundred fifty dollars for every, all. I have glamping. to do is show up and have a good time and ride my bike. Correct yep. for a week. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's it. Why have I not done this already? I don't know. I mean, t- that yes, that, that that is a lot of money. But when you think about the experience, you think about what you're getting out of that, the return, it, food's included. All f- and it's three squares. And plus, you know, you, you, will, you will gain weight, honestly. Yeah. And you get all your snacks. So, you know, everything in the rest stops. Hot it, showers. You don't have to lift sh- a finger. You basically, all you have to do is put your clothes on and get on your bike could and I then like, eat. Could I, like, chill all morning and then leave it, like, 10 yes. and then just, like, just blitz the whole course yes. and and not have to leave it six in the you morning? You could leave it noon and blitz the Ooh. whole course. But no, so I pop- think they like everyone out of town by about 10, <laughs> yeah, 930. Okay. Steve has yeah. to get the – because yeah. you got to remember, they got to pick up. Right. They, they got to move. Yeah. And, you know, and you'll see sometimes yeah. it's, it's actually really fun. You'll see the shower trucks like – it's rare. They don't typically route on the route. I mean, only if there's no choice. But it's kind of fun. Like, there goes the shower truck. There goes the baggage truck. <laughs> there's Lance drafting the shower <laughs> truck. Exactly. <laughs> and, but we also have SAG support. That's, I mean, I think that's one other really important thing. You have trouble. You fall apart one day. I can get in a van. Absolutely. And and these the, the SAG drivers are amazing. They all have music playing. They all have personalities. I mean, you get to know their personalities. There's bubble machines. There's you name it. And they, but they will have all the necessities. They'll have sunscreen. They'll have food and water. They have, at, you know, basically anything to kind of get you past an emergency. But if you need to stop, they don't care. They'll pick you up. Wow. And so, you know, if you can't make it up the hill, it's okay. If you can't make it in that day, it's okay. And and they're the greatest people. Um, it's it's fabulous. And, it sounds and, fun. Yeah, it's, there's nothing better than hearing, you know, they all have their unique musical sound, and you can hear them <laughs> wafting up the valley. <laughs> and we also have um, usually have some, you know, uh, off-duty patrolmen as well that sure. are out there on motorcycles kind of helping deal with issues as well. Yeah. This is kind of a little bit off 
in the weeds a little bit, but do you guys have a curfew or a lights out time for everybody so that you can no. get some shut eye or is it pretty, everybody's pretty respectful and they're Ev- not. Out. Most people are exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I, I would think that earplugs yeah. would be your friend. They probably. are. Yeah. And, and Steve may know of, you know, there may be some malarkey that happens, but pretty much I've never had, I mean, the worst thing is the generators coming on at 4 a.m. if you're too close to the generators. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's, but I mean, we Yeah, it shuts CPAPs. down pretty early. We, we do announcements. Yeah, we do announcements at like 7.30 every night from the main stage. So I'll go up and talk and try to get off as soon as possible. But we have the community come and talk about like what their sense of place is and stuff. And then we have live music. And a lot of people will hang out the first couple songs. And then you can kind of just see everybody just starts to do this. They're three <laughs> beers in, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a hand. I'd say there's probably 100 people that are still going till 9 o'clock. But we pretty much shut it down by 10, like. The, the music stops about nine. The beer garden shuts down at 10 because those beer garden, actually, the ones those guys shut down, they pack up and they leave and they they just go to the next site that night and then they sleep in their cars. And so the next morning they start setting up um, with some of our advanced teams. So wow. they, they shut down and leave and the stage leaves. And, you know, it's this big leapfrog thing that we do. And uh, so, yeah, not much to uh, do but, in a, but people in are pretty worn out. Yeah, there's yeah. not much to do in a field in Lakeview at midnight there's just not right <laughs> you can only throw yeah you can only throw so much cornhole after you know you throw so much <laughs> cornhole and you're done how many acres do these fields have to be in order to accommodate everybody and everything steve how we many? need about 15 acres oh my gosh um, to set up our site yeah yeah so it's a lot and that's you know that's the kind of thing like we can't just go anywhere you know if you go on you know like chad's gravel rides you know we could 300 people like I have 300 staff, you know, I don't, I can't, I can't just put 300 people. I can't put, put 2,500 people anywhere. So, you know, when you start talking about COVID and people are saying, oh, well, just, you know, get another dining tent. I need 10 acres of dining tents to spread people out. You know, it just (laughs) doesn't make sense. But uh, yeah, so we need a big program because you think you, you know, we've got five or six shower trucks. We've got four or five mobile kitchens. Um, you know, we've got the main stage. We've been everybody's gear. We got four or five Tent. baggage the trucks. Jeez. Tent. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a lot. Yeah. One of the best um, stories of main stage stories is Enterprise Oregon. What we do there, we close down Main Street and they stick the main stage in the center of town. Yes. Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> guess, and and the whole community cool. comes out. I I'm, I remember last time we were there, it seemed like half the town was dancing. Because we yep. had a uh, we had a karaoke band on stage who are very very good and it was but it's so cool because they like literally shut down the town for us. That's awesome. Have you guys ever had any big names get on the stage or is it generally going to be? Well, Quarter Flash and and they were with us for a long time, which is a long standing old Portland wow. group. They came out and um, both performed as the Trail Band and Quarter Flash and all standalone. But I can't think of anyone else that's. Big yeah, game. we had Pink Martini when the Pink Martini first started. Thomas Lauderdale and his group were out there earlier, but um, we try to big Portland they're people. Big, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're a big Portland band. Yeah, and um, but you know, like I mentioned before, we try to we try to utilize the locals. There's a lot of great talent out in this oh, state, yeah. and we'd rather get some, you know, really so as, as opposed to trying to spend, you know, fifty grand to bring in somebody to play some music. It's like, you know, we can put that money back in the community and hire oh, some local yeah, people. Yes, and there's yeah. some great great bands that are out there but we do bring we, we you know we go from all over sarah mentioned karaoke we bring this live karaoke band with us every once in a while and they come out of portland and you know it gets very raucous um 
you know, people that should not be singing karaoke <laughs> after three beers are up there singing. And uh, it's a great time, though. We have a really good time. It, it but is. Um, yeah. yeah, trying to we, we've and we played with it. Do we make it a music festival, too? And that just doesn't quite feel true to our core right now. Sure, so sure. my last question, volunteers, are you guys in dire need of more volunteers? You have volunteers coming out of your gills. Are, what, what's this? What's the story there? And if somebody did want to volunteer to help out, how would they go about doing that? Steve, I'll let you take that. Yeah, sure. So, yes, we do. Oh, we always need volunteers. As Sarah mentioned earlier, we have people come back every year and every year, but we always have a handful of spots to fill every year. Um, you know, right now without events, we have all our volunteers are like, well, what can we do to help? So right now we don't need anything, but certainly when we start doing events, um, there's a volunteer page uh, on our website, cycleorgan.com, and uh, they can inquire about that. We open up for volunteers usually somewhere around April. Uh, of every year and they can do there's all kinds of stuff from on all four of the events plus there's stuff they can do to help the crew you know load trucks and get stuff ready and beforehand so always always could use volunteer help and it's great you know volunteers we have a lot of volunteers that were riders that that start volunteering and they'll never go back to riding because they have way too much fun volunteering it is way fun it is super fun if you volunteer do you have any opportunity to ride during the event steve yeah sometimes but not yeah, it depends on the role, but a lot of the times it's um, just based on us moving. It's really sure. hard for too somebody to get on their bikes. bike. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would just think that it would be nice to be able to do it. Not necessarily do the rides during the yeah. day, but just be able to like get on your bike and go for a ride in the area that you're yeah. at. Yeah, well, I mean, if you had some downtime, there's nothing prohibiting you from riding yeah. for sure. But there's some people, like the rest yep. stop coordinators, they're going from 4 in the morning until dusk, and so they're, they're done, they yeah. have no time. <laughs> but there's other roles that you would definitely have time to awesome. do that. So it's it's very fun. Cool. Lance, do you have any more questions? No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sad I bailed on my, my <laughs> registration Next time. you're welcome for my registration fee by the way yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you i appreciate that cancel steve. more often if you want <laughs> steven sir is there anything else that you guys would like to add that we haven't covered yet today no i think this has been great yeah, no, it's been great. And I appreciate, again, the opportunity to kind of chat with you guys for the day and um, kind of give your listeners a little bit more information about what CycleOrgan is all about. And sure. I, you know, I think that, you know, it's a it's a great it's a great opportunity to ride and be competitive without having to worry about getting on the podium um, and just have a bunch of fun with a bunch of your friends. So you guys should join us. We get our team out there, but then we also put out a challenge to the other teams and we can just go call it a one-week stage race <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> right why not go, <laughs> we'd just send you guys out at the, we'd set you an early start time or a very late start time yeah, and but, no we leave at noon <laughs> <laughs> and you sweep the course yeah, for us there you the go course. yeah that could be a lot of fun though could and you we'll, imagine going out there with a whole pile of dial routers and getting fun. a few other teams out there as well that would be a blast that would be fun you guys could have your own camp area yeah the candlelighters do that they have a special camping area that they are there all together and they they, so they do that, and they all ride. They have their jerseys with who they're riding for, and things like that. That's cool. Yeah. So you guys yeah. could do something similar. Hmm. The wheels are turning. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how to get in touch with us. <laughs> awesome. On that note, let's jump into one last thing before we wrap this up. Um, Lance, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, guess what? Chicken butt. I'm racing this weekend. <laughs> you don't say. I am racing this weekend. Uh, there is a mountain bike race in Central Oregon. Uh, it's called Bone Crusher. It's part of the uh, XC Series, and uh, it, it's only going to be like an hour-long race, so none of these freaking 10-mile climbs. <laughs> nice. nice. That's all. That ought to be fun. Sarah, one last thing. I 
I'm not racing this weekend, but I do think I'm going to try and do one of the OMTM ride of the months. I've done Swale Canyon many, many times, but I've never done the climb up from the river, um, up over the top to Swale Canyon. So I'm thinking of doing that. Not on, not on Dallas Mountain Road, but on the, on the, the, other side. On the yeah, a little farther east than that. So I'm, We'll see what the wind does. This see is how out in the Columbia River Gorge Yeah, just area. across from Dufer. Yeah. <laughs> on the Washington side. Yeah, yes. and Swale Canyon this time of year. It, yeah. I've beautiful. only done it in the fall, so it, it's beautiful then, but I'm, pr I'm thinking it's going to be gorgeous this yeah. time of year. We've probably touched on this a touch in the past, but everybody at the table knows what OMTM is. Do you want to elaborate on OMTM, what that sure. is exactly? Um, OMTM stands for Our Mother the Mountain. Um, it's, I guess, a loose affiliation of crazy gravel riders that yep. Yep. have a couple of ringleaders here in the Portland area. They are masters at mapping the unknown roads, trails, squirrel paths, yep. and donk, you know, goat trails of Oregon and Washington. Um, and right now what they're doing, is they typically would do a, a monthly ride, sort of a all comers, not formal. It's, you know, come as you are, you get yourself in, get yourself out. But they're doing basically throwing routes out. They've got two for this month. One goes from Portland all the way out past the hinterlands of Silver Falls and back. It's a 200K that looks, Oofed. which looks Sweet. really cool because it literally yeah. goes by my childhood home. So I'm going to have to oh. do at least a good chunk of it. But that can be done any time of year. And the other one is going out in Swale Canyon. And, and that is if you've never ridden Swale Canyon, you have to ride Swale Canyon. It is it is so beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so if you're from the Rugged, Pacific Northwest, um, is it omtm.com or yeah. is it uh, .cc. .cc. Okay, that's yeah. their website. And then they also have a Strava group on there. Go they check do. both of them and out. And a it's Google <sighs> Groups that's actually even better if you join their community. Oh, they have a Google that. they have a Google listserv, which is where if you ever want to know is X road rideable, yeah, ping that and Rob and Ryan or, um Ron and Ryan will be on it in a second as well as well as everybody oh, wow. else. Yeah. So that's like invaluable. Plus their route library. They have a, a huge yes. route library on Ride with GPS that they've organized by sector of the area and very, very well done. Yeah, that's a great, great thing. So it is. Love it. My favorite re one of my favorite resources. Yeah, great resource for sure. Steve, one last thing. Ah, weekend. I am packing the bikes, mountain bikes, gravel bikes, and my wife and I are heading south for two weeks. Um, destination unknown, but we think we're going to end up in Arizona wow. at some point, uh, nice. but try to ride Utah and ride Arizona a little bit. And um, a much needed trip, but uh, I, I do everything about planning, right? So I, so logistics, I decided no logistics for two weeks, and we're just going to roll and see what happens. So we're, we're stoked <laughs> to get out of town. Nice. Right on. I like that. Have a good time. Cool. My one last thing. Bike thieves suck. <laughs> oh. Somebody broke into the lab last night we got and stole into. three bicycles from us. Oh, no. Yep. That's not how I wanted to start my day. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We've been yeah. trying to put on a good not face good. today. We're yeah. I've just been a little, I mean, I guess considering what was taken, I'm 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 pretty low-key right now. I'm not too worked up, right? But, yeah, somebody uh, decided to pry open a door and came in here and helped themselves to uh, three bikes before the alarm went off and skedaddled out of here. And they took some other Garmin stuff, but that just, that sucks. So yeah. if you see uh, a bright green BMC SLR01. Um, There's an orange one. Team machine. And then the same thing in orange and the same thing in kind of a bright red. Right. Yep. They stick out like a sore thumb. You do not see these bikes all the time by any means at all. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway. Sorry. I digress. Not good. Moving forward. Um, looking forward to uh, another great week. Hopefully we'll, we'll rebound from that. I'm trying to get people to stop calling here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I 
really appreciate your guys' time. It, this was this was fun. It's fun to, to break away and do stuff that's not always race oriented, and yes. to, to learn about other things and options that we have out there as cyclists is phenomenal. I am gonna have to do one of these. I'm hoping that it goes off for you guys this year. I don't know if I can do it this year, but I will. You'll see me out there. Wonderful. Maybe I can volunteer. Who knows? Or, jo- or join us on the gravel ride or something. One there of you those. go. The, the gravel ride. Wh- when is that? Um, well, it, it was supposed to be in May of last year. Uh-huh. We've done them in October. I think it's TBD as to what yeah, <laughs> the okay. next gravel ride sure. will be. <laughs> Where do you guys typically disseminate all of your information? Is it social media and email blasts? And our website. And your website. And, and the, the kickoff party. But yes, yeah, social media will have it all as well. And, and our website. I'll make sure to connect all of those things and uh, pass the word. Please. Going to get our team out there. So. Right. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you again for your time. Thank you for everybody who is uh, was watching and listening. And we will see you guys next week. Till then, bye for now.